Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing, share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, We are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, bonjour. In Spain, hola. In Italy, ciao. In Egypt, ahlan wasalan. In Ghana, akwaba. In Nigeria, peleo. In South Africa, saobona. In Senegal, nangadef. In Kenya, jambo. In Israel, shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, assalamu alaikum. Greetings. And may peace be upon you all. She gets so attached, not even realizing that this thing is causing me misery. So today's topic is really a critical topic, I believe, you know, that we should really think a little bit about, you know, the suffering process. What causes us to suffer, like for long periods of time, you know, why is it so difficult for us to move on? Why do we struggle with the part of life where it seems that we just can't make it, that it takes the life out of us? What causes that? Is it something that we're doing? Is it something that's in our body? Is it something that's in our mind? Well, I want to examine that a little bit for you, and I hope this helps someone that may be struggling, trying to figure out why am I still feeling this way? Why am it so hard for me to move on from this situation or this circumstance, this trauma in life, this this divorce, this, you know, loss, grief and loss, 
or wherever you find yourself at, just know that it is a time where you're going to give yourself some relief. You have to give relief because otherwise it just keeps going on and on and on. So I want to examine that a little bit because I want to talk about it and discuss it. So just to give you some strategies, some coping skills, or something that, you know, you didn't have before you listened to this broadcast. And I hope that whatever you've gotten from it, you can apply it to your life. Or have someone else that's going through it, because suffering is real. It's a state of torment. It feels like that. You know, sometimes we hold on to it so long. And it seems like, you know, we have no control over it. Well, I just want to let you know some things are involuntary and some things are not, which means that some things just feel like it's taking over you because it's just a body response, you know, to trauma, to hurt, to pain. And then some things we can change. So I want you to stay tuned, okay? Uh, again, if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe. Just hit the button. If you just kind of come in there and see, okay, what's Dr. Green talking about today? Just hit the button of subscribe. That way, and or either comment, you know, hey, let's do a topic on this. I want to know more about that or whatever the case may be. And I promise you, I will definitely make that happen for you. Again, thank you so much. And we're getting ready to get started, and I'll be right back. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get started. So the first thing I want to really point out to you is what the mind does when you're under a suffering process. Suffering process, again, is anything that disturbs your peace. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be trauma. It could be sudden impact. It could be something that happened in the past. It could be something that you're worried about in the future. It could be a divorce you're going through. It could be a grief and a loss that you are experiencing. Uh, whatever it is, it's still a suffering process. Some people can suffer immensely from losing a pet, uh, also uh, losing their phone. You can get frustrated, losing your keys. So the body responds to things differently. But most of all, it is nerved, kind of wired. We're 
hardwired. We're hardwired with actions and behavior and emotions and thoughts and all those things. So um, what happens is that we're going to just touch base on the mental at first. In our minds, when we start responding to anything that disappoints us, we usually respond to it the same way every time. So we find ourselves, you know, getting upset over, you know, the smallest to the largest thing. And that thing is called hypervigilance, like when you are sensitive to situations or just sometimes it's sound. Some people don't like too much loud noise. It irritates them. Some people don't like when people are arguing. It irritates them. You know, it just depends. Barking dogs irritates them. So we that's just everything comes through the senses. So that's why we begin to get ir- irritable with that. So let's take a look deeper, dive into that. How about when, uh, you know, you dissipate? disappointed with a person. Someone might have said something or did something to you. Whether it's abusive or just a harsh word or something of that nature. So what happens? Well, you can either do one or two things. This thing is called hypo. Hypo. Hypo is like it's hypo in a in a way like you start to close down. You start to shut down. You start to not want to talk to anybody. Sometimes you get to a, a numbness where you don't even feel anymore. And if you ever felt that that way, that's what you you were feeling, this hypoglemia type of feeling. And that kind of puts you in a very uncomfortable place because you don't know what you're feeling. You're no longer emotionally available for yourself. So you start to go through a whole lot of changes in your mind. You may have racing thoughts. You may, your appetite may even be affected. Your sleeping may even even be off. So it, it just depends on how much that thing affected you. So that's the shutdown process. And sometimes we go into hyperdrive. Hyperdrive means we get anxious, we get angry, we get mad, we, we get frustrated. And we get irritable, you know what I'm saying? And we're still dealing with that same situation. But, again, we it feels like we have no control because you lose all self-control. And because your, your being, your being from the top of your head to the soles of your feet are responding. It's responding to that. And some things are voluntary and some things are involuntary. So the psychological part of your mind which is like, oh, my God, what's happening to me? You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm so angry with this. I'm so angry with that. You know, you're no longer looking at the situation. You're just feeling. That's all you're doing. You're feeling. And you're not looking for a solution. You're not looking for it to stop. You know, you just think it's going to be something ongoing, ongoing. But you can stop it. But, again, we're so focused on the issue all the person is causing the issue that we just feel overwhelmed, right? And that overwhelmed state may be like that for hours, days, months, even years. And he's like, Dr. Dad, you mean to tell me somebody can stay in that state for a long time? Yes. Yes, you can. So when we are overstimulated, because that's what's happening, 
you're overstimulated by the situation. You're overstimulated by the circumstance. You're overstimulated by the trauma, the disappointment. And before you realize it, you have become something that you don't want to become. You've changed. You're transformed. Your whole day is gone. Your whole week has been affected. You see what I'm saying? Your whole year. And this is what happens in people's lives. And then we get into that point, we get angry about it. We get so angry because we feel we cannot do anything about it. But that's not true. That's not true. You can do something about it, but you would have to change the way you respond to things. You know, change the way you respond to trouble. Change the way you respond to disappointment. Change the way you respond to loss. Because if you don't change, you're going to continue to, to respond the same way all the time. And when you do that, you are creating a habit of response, whether you realize it or not. You're literally creating an addiction. So I want, I want to break that down to you so that you will be able to really understand it. I see my co-host is in the back stage, so I'm going to introduce her. I'm trying to get hey. the screen wise tonight. There you go. There we go. Yes. Good morning. Yes. Good morning. And I'd like to welcome, welcome everybody welcome. to uh welcome everybody to my weekly therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Glad to do it. <laughs> Glad to do it. Well, you know, this topic is deep. Like I said, the suffering process is real. You know, you got mild, moderate, and severe, but it is real because every human being goes through it. It's not something that we choose. We don't choose to suffer. We don't choose, but the thing about this is we will create unnecessarily suffering out of the suffering process. Yes, you know, as you were describing the 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 experience, I think my biggest challenge is getting out of a cycle of sadness that might come from a situation and being able to direct my thoughts to a state of joy so that I can create that inner state. And I think that's probably where a lot of people are. If something happens that's caused you sadness or grief or regret, you get stuck there and you don't know how to steer your thoughts away from the memory and away from the feeling that that memory generates. And, of course, feelings create inner conditions in your body. So our first challenge is to master our thoughts, and it's difficult Mm -hmm. if you're stuck on a thought that saddens you. It is. It is. Um, as I was speaking before, it's this that we're hardwired. Hardwired is like we we deal with repetition. Everything is a cycle because it's called a cycle of life. Everything is repeated. Uh, we repeat the same actions. We repeat the same words. We repeat the same you know thoughts and feelings. And a lot of people think we're different, like it's different. No, you repeat a lot of different things. It's just that we're not always paying attention because we're just reacting. 
acting or responding. So we don't say, did I say that to that person? I did that to this thing. You don't do that. You just respond or react, right? Mm-hmm. So the addictions come from the responding. It comes from the uh, unawares that you are responding to a situation that may cause anger the same way or may cause uh, grief the same way or sadness or any or frustrations or whatever. You're responding to it the same way. So subconsciously, subconsciously you are creating a habit, a response. It's almost like a program, like in a computer. You, you created it. And so when you don't want to respond, it does it anyway because it's already been created. So you have to change, like you said, uh, you said earlier, I want to change where or how, but it's not so where or how, it's when. Mm. It's a when. It's when because uh, when the onset of any disappointment comes, you got to do it on the onset. You can't wait until you start feeling it two or three minutes, one hour, whatever. No, because the subconscious mind is just on autopilot. It's just like driving. You don't get in. The, if you know how to drive, you don't get in the car and say, "Hmm, should I put my hand on the wheel, or should I press the gas?" No, your your subconscious mind. If you've been driving for a while, and you know how to drive, you don't even have to ask those questions right, anymore. You just do it. It's an automatic response, right? So it's the same thing with the brain. It's an automatic response. So with suffering. Because we got to go back to the primary suffering to understand the secondary suffering. Primary suffering is right there in that moment. That thing happened, whatever mm-hmm. that is, events, trauma, whatever it is, disappointment, right there is when it started, right? Mm-hmm. So the, after time is took it, because time takes it immediately, immediately. It happens in that moment at that particular time, but time takes it. Whether we realize it or not, it's just that we're the one that's playing timekeeper with it, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, which means, let me give an example. Let's say I was uh, in a, a terrible divorce back in 2013, and it was a, a, a divorce that had some other complicated factors, whether it like abuse or something of that nature. So because of the abuse, I suffered trauma from the marriage. So even though I got divorced and I may no longer be with that person, I'm still dealing with that trauma in my life. I still have memories. I still have emotions. I still have thoughts. So at any given time, it may visit me involuntarily. Or I could be triggered by a sound, by by a taste, by, by someone's words, someone's actions, or whatever. And then it it literally jogs, I call it jogs the subconscious memory and brings all the feelings back to my frontal lobe. So now I'm experiencing, that's what PTSD is. You start experiencing things that you had already experienced before, but this is called secondary suffering because not only does it, not only does it impact your mind or impact your heart, which is your emotions, it impacts your life. You see what I'm saying? So you start responding to things, people, situations, totally different because it changed your whole being. So the only way to get back to a state of normal, which is your normal, is that onset when you start triggering or when you have a thought about it, you have to let yourself know verbally. Like you literally have to do an affirmation and just say, I 
I went through that already. I lived that already. You see what I'm saying? I am not going to suffer anymore from that situation. And you have to literally tell yourself that every time it comes to visit you, because really that's what it wants to do. The emotions are just messages to want to know rather you want to to no longer experience it. So when the emotions come, the heart's just communicating with the mind. So, okay, do you want to finalize this? And sometimes if the mind does not make it a choice right there in the moment, it'll just go back down in the heart and come back another time. Until until it keeps it keeps doing that until you onset, which is immediately respond to it. It's like you know what, I'm not going to suffer with this any longer. No matter how many times it comes back to me, I made a decision not to suffer. Mm. Because that's what it's going to cause. It causes the suffering process because it doesn't make you feel good. So what else can it be? It's a suffering process. You know, we want to process it in our mind, and we want to deal with the issues in our heart concerning, you know, the memory. Because really, it's a memory. It's no longer even, you know, a thing that's happening in your moment, unless you're in your reality that you're going through something. Uh, If someone's in a situation where it's actually happening, then that's a whole different situation. But at the same token, if it's something that's already happened, then, again, you have to make up in your mind to say to that thing, anytime it comes back to you, you have to open your mouth and say, no, I've suffered enough with that. Mm. That's no longer mine. That's no longer a part of my life. And when you say that, your subconscious, you have to verbally say it, because when we think that, we're really not saying anything because the mind is just an ego chatter. But when we say words, that's why words have so much power, affirmations and declarations, because we hear it audibly, and then our subconscious is also hearing it as well. Consciously, eyes wide open, we are saying it because it's our reality. But we also have to give our being permission to let it go. Otherwise, it holds on to it because the body and the mind keep score. Mm. So what about situation, say a person has ended a relationship uh, and people get stuck in that all the time, even if it was an abusive relationship, if it ended, but maybe there were children, and so the children are steady reminders of the other person, and so you're literally living with the reminder of that relationship every day through that child. And sometimes people get stuck in the sadness, the grief, and the anger of that relationship, and they project those feelings at the child who is a reminder of the painful relationship, even though the relationship may have ended. So rather than it being something past, it's something that's, perpetually present, how do they stop that cycle, especially if they're expressing anger, resentment, uh, hostility toward the child, that's a reminder of the painful relationship? Well, first they have to acknowledge that they're doing it, because a lot of people don't know, because they don't have self-awareness. Mm. And they don't, um, I mean... 
self-awareness will let you know whether you are speaking or acting out of order, you know, saying, like causing some type of pain or, or discomfort to yourself and to another human being. So they have to acknowledge what they're doing. Um, and they, again, if they love that individual, like you said, that child, you know, and also if they are emotionally available, this is really important because if they're not emotionally available, they're not going to realize it. Mm. They're not going to realize that they are acting out of emotions because you said two key things, that they are treating someone out of anger. They're, they're speaking out of anger. So that means that if they're speaking out of emotions, they're not emotionally available, that they're pushing this out because they're not emotionally available for themselves. Because when people speak out of anger or they speak out of hurt, you know what I'm saying, without any circumstance that may be present in that moment is dealing with secondary suffering because that's what they're doing. Something happened or some things happened in their life that they have not gotten over yet, they have not finalized, they have not settled. So what happens with all those suppressed emotions? They come out and they're whoever's the target gets it. Mm. That's how it works. It could be their children. It could be their spouse. It could be their mother, sister, brothers, whatever. Whoever's whoever in that target zone. Now, when and hopefully when the person is acknowledging that they are doing it, then they can come up to a certain, uh, what do you say, mindset. Oh, wow, you know, I was hurting you. I do apologize because I'm hurting inside. If they want to say that, a lot of people don't want other people to know that they're in pain. Mm. because they feel uh, that it's a helpless, they feel transparent, they feel too vulnerable, so they act out in other ways like anger, feeling betrayed, feeling, you know, rescinded upon, feeling separated, feeling the I can go on and on. But all of that, every word of that is suppressed emotions. So the secondary suffering from whatever the primary issue Primary issue is when it happened right there in the moment. So now we are affected by it. So, again, we can either get hypervigilance, which is, you know, hypersensitive to everything, you know, or we can get hypo. You know, hypo is like that uh, area of anger, anxiousness, irritation. And some people, oh, I'm irritated. And they say, are you Okay. Yeah, I'm all right, but you're irritated. You don't even know you're irritated. Mm. Everybody else can see that you're not happy. And you and you can't see it for yourself because you stop feeling. Mm. You, you stop feeling. Now, unawares that you got hijacked. You got hijacked by the situation. And the thing about this is, again, if we don't have any, any emotional, am I hurting? You should ask yourself question. Did this hurt me? Am I injured by this situation? Don't just ignore it because if you are injured, you should tell someone, speak, write it in a book or whatever. I am injured. I am hurting. I am disappointed. I am angry because when you don't say anything at all, you suppress it. And if you keep suppressing it, you're going to build a habit of suppressing, and then that habit is going to become addiction. Mm. 
stages of primary grief, primary hurt, primary suffering. We go, we go through all of these things, right? But the thing about it is, the question is, when does it stop? Right. Is it something you have to go, go through for the rest of your life? You know? And then you have to ask yourself, where are you holding on to? What is it that you're holding on to that keeps this suffering process going on? What's, what, what is it? You see, because it is a what. It is a what. And it also is a when. When it happened, what happened, how it happened, and, of course, why it happened. Right? Most people, they look through that over and over and over and over so this cycle of necessary pain, it just keeps cycling over and over again, right? So at some point, we have to break the cycle. Okay, let's let's talk about that because I think we need to go into break. Do you want to go into a break first before yes. we talk about that? Yes, we'll take a break and then we'll come right back and... We'll talk about that. Of course, if you're listening online, we want you to join this conversation. Give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1. That lets us know that you have something you'd like to share with Dr. Debbie Green. And, of course, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can write in your comments, and make sure you like and share our Facebook pages and Subscribe to Dr. Debbie's YouTube channel, and that is Soulful Solutions. Mm-hmm. By Debbie Green. By Debbie. That's right. Soulful <laughs> Soul Solutions by Dr. Debbie Green. And, of course, uh, make sure you subscribe so that you can get the daily notices when Dr. Debbie Green goes live on YouTube, sent directly to your email and smartphone. And we'll be right back after this quick break. And if you're on our switchboard now and you have a question or comment for Dr. Debbie Green, press 1. That lights your number up and lets us know you have something to say. We'll open your mic and get your thoughts. We'll be right back. So stay with us. We have an opportunity to transform the whole global society in the next 50 years. 50 years from now, the earth will be populated by a new generation of adults many of whom are yet unborn. Our mission is to nurture them in childhood with love, guidance, and protection and to raise them in healthy, happy families. If we impart values of compassion, generosity, and respect for fellow human beings in the next generation of children, they will create a world where people can live together in peace. This is our goal. Be a part of the transformation. Get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. Go to www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Do you want to live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly Culture World Peace Restoration of Light transcends culture, religion, ideology, and other boundaries to achieve peaceful harmony in the global society. HWPL is committed to bringing world peace and cessation of war through peaceful dialogue between religious groups. 
I am Director Shin Suk Kim of the HWPL Chicago branch of North America. Join us for our next gathering. Call 773-580-1501 and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at chicagohwpl at gmail.com. In to Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear great topics and stories on grief and turn it into victory. Join Dr. Debbie Green to listen to stories of triumph and learn how to overcome. You are not alone in your life and there is hope in the darkest hours. This is your time to learn strategies and solutions to improve your life. It's your time. So join Dr. Debbie Green with Sofa Solutions and call in on Thursday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at 515-605-9325 with comments and questions. Look to hear from you real soon. Timekeepers. What I mean by that is 
sometimes we don't let things go. We just hold on to them and take them with us. So things that happen, you know, in our past, in our childhood or young adulthood or wherever the case is, we hold on to it involuntary, involuntary. So the uh, involuntary, that's one thing, but the voluntary, we may want to really take a uh, another look at that so that we can allow ourselves movement um, because it's very easy to adapt to pain. It's very easy to uh, hold on to it. I call it uh, emotional hoarding. And some people say, well, I can't help but to suffer. I can't help but to suffer. I don't know how to let it go. I don't know why it's here. I wish it would leave. Well, I can tell you this. When sick and tired gets to a point of being sick and tired, you're going to do whatever it takes, right? But you don't have to leave this earth to do so. You don't have to destroy another human being to get your freedom back. Because sometimes people think that, you know, I don't want to suffer anymore, so I want to take myself off the earth. No, you don't have to do that. You don't have to self-destruct. You just have to let go of the old mindset, the old programming. So that's really what it is. There's a lot of old programming that's there that keeps us to a point where we we feel incapacitated by the pain. So when we feel that, we just focus on the pain. Now think about it. If you're always focused thing on the what's wrong, you can't see what is right. That's you can't true. find a solution because you're in your feelings. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. You're in your feelings. So if you're in your feelings, how are you going to logically, rationally, you know, find a solution if you're always feeling? So you're just on that one side of the brain, which is the right hemisphere. Ah. You know, the right hemisphere is where all the emotions are stored. That's the inner child mind. Mm. That's what we call it. The inner child mind holds all the emotions from life. All the emotions, everything that you can think of that you felt is stored right there. So if we don't balance with the emotions, and the logical mind, then we stay in that inner child's mind, always feeling victimized by it, always feeling the hurt, the pain, and then it becomes, again, like I have it, a response. Anything that's associated with it, from the smallest to the largest, it just turns that lover, and now we're back into that sadness, we're back into that grief, we're back into that mournful type of thing, right? So logically, the adult mind, which is on the left hemisphere, should say logically, rational, okay, reasonable, I have been suffering with this so long. Am I going to continue to suffer with this? And better yet, what am I going to do about it? So at some point, there's got to be a choice. Once the choice comes, then you, then at some point, you got to realize you got to take yourself out the equation of what am I feeling, what am I doing, you know. No, let's look at the situation. When you look at the situation, 
then you no longer are just feeling anymore. Now you're looking at it from the outside in. This is a situation that came into my life, so I have to make certain adjustments to take myself out of the situation. If I don't take myself out of it, I'm just going to stay feeling it. And it goes and comes, it goes and comes, it goes and comes. Because really, the heart is just asking you a question. How long do you want to hold on to it? How long hmm. do you want to feel it? How long Are you ready to let it go? Yeah. That's really what it's asking. Because that's the sadness of it. The sadness only comes because really sadness is a mood. It's not an emotion. Hmm. Sorrow is the emotion. Despair is the emotion. But the sadness is a mood. It's a mood, but the spirit is felt in the heart. It sends up a signal to the mind. And that's the only way the mind can kind of deal with it when it comes to grief. You just begin to get sad. You may even begin to get remorseful. Right? So at some given point, like I said, it's, you have to say, okay, that's enough suffering. I truly want to be content with it. First thing, you can't be happy. Most people want to go all the way to the happy stage. No, you got to be the content. There's a reason for that. Contentment is easier than being happy. Mm. Mm. Happy is one of those things that people struggle with. An optimist is usually content. I don't wake. I'm an optimist, but I don't wake up happy every day. <laughs> you can wake up content. I wake up content, yeah. And I choose to wake up to content because content is one of those things that you can take with you all day long. Mm. Happiness is linked to events. It's not linked to that. Most people don't even realize they're content with it. They think I'm happy. Happiness is linked to babies being born, weddings, birthday parties, because you have my happiness. Yeah wonderful feeling right there in the moment right. once it's all over it's gone right until the next time of course right so it's right now in our lives Naima, it's hard to be happy all the time right right but content that's that's possible so when i'm talking to clients and patients they say, i just want to be happy again i told them i said that's going to be difficult for you wow I said, you need to rest in contentment. Mm. Content even when you're feeling sad. Content even when you're feeling angry. Content when you are disappointed. When, when, when you are disappointed. Content, you know, because it makes you accept things quickly. Uh. Then happy. Happiness is like you're angry. You're really angry, but you really want to be happy again. But you don't seem like that. It's, doesn't seem like that's possible because it isn't. So first you have not to. Not in that moment. So if you're angry, you're not going to go from angry to happy. First you have to go to content because content is acceptance of the condition that may have made you angry, but it's acceptance. So once you can accept it, then you can move to contentment. But as long as you're angry, your anger is saying that should not have happened, which means you're not accepting that it has happened. So you're going to stay in a state of anger. Mm-hmm. Mm. And if you stay in a state of anger, it's going to transmute into other energies. It just doesn't stay angry. Mm. You never stay angry. People just 
thinking, no, you go to vengeance, discord, resentment, possibly rage. This depends on the situation. You see what I'm saying? Because yeah. energy doesn't dissipate. It only expands. Right. And turns into something else. Right. That's why you have to rest in contentment. You have to like, okay, this is happening. I'm very unhappy. Mm-hmm. I do not agree with this thing. I wish it didn't happen, but it did. Mm. So then at that point, you then take your power back from it, taking power over you. Mm. So if you're dealing with emotions uh, of suffering, for example, guilt, anger, shame, remorse, you know, these type of emotions, you have to, again, make a decision on accepting it first. That's the hardest thing for us to do because acceptance may ask you to forgive something or someone that you did not want to do. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So it's a process. You got to do what you have to do one and then you have to do another one. But if you do the first one, which is forgiveness, you forgive yourself, forgive anyone else that might have hurt you, then what's going to happen is, and forgiveness does not mean that you condone or you agree with it. It is a form of understanding that this thing has happened and you're ready to move on. That's all that means. Mm. You know, I think about the consequences of holding anger. And here in Chicago, uh, I don't know how much they talked about it in other cities. They, everybody has some similar situation. But recently an event happened, and, and I've been talking on several shows about it. Oh, I know what that is, but go ahead. I yeah, about it. The, 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 the woman who was at the restaurant with her 14-year-old boy, and a man came in with his girlfriend, and somehow the two of them ended up in a verbal altercation, and suddenly he got physical and hit her in the face and hit her again, and she's upset, and her, I guess she sends her son out to go and get the legally registered gun out of the car, and the son comes back and shoots the man, and he dies. And then the police come in and arrest her and put her in jail. Her and her son are charged with first-degree murder. The community's all upset because they've seen, you know, a patron has, has done a video of the entire incident, which shows the man hitting her first, that's and, what got her free. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's what got her free. So the state's attorney dropped the charges, and they decided it was self-defense. There was no grounds for her to have been charged. But the whole incident just brought to light a lot of things, and I think it comes from people holding anger. That's the first step, because whatever is happening, what triggers you to be angry enough to argue about something. I think it was something as simple as you stepped in front of me in line or something, something, some minor thing that escalated, which to me shows two people holding anger about something totally different. And so any little annoyance becomes magnified, and then you're expressing the anger that you're holding towards something else toward a complete stranger, and it escalates into physical violence, which escalates into a fatality. 
And we see this happen all the time. And I believe it comes from us walking around holding anger about other things. And it ends up affecting the way we respond in normal situations that really shouldn't create an emotional response at all. So how do we deal with that? And I think one of the things we talked about yesterday, and and I was on, on someone else's show the day before that, how do we learn how to calm ourselves down when we realize we are overreacting in a situation and it's really got nothing to do with that person? It's something we're holding on the inside of us that keeps resurfacing and causing us to express that repressed anger in a way that's inappropriate for the situation, and it causes other consequences. Well, the thing about, again, I have to say that that situation, because actually we were talking about that in the office the other day when it was uh, recorded and every eye saw it because it went social media, it just blasted everywhere. And all the anger that man had to strike someone because he didn't have to hit her. Right, right. Now, you can see that he was a person um, that I truly believe he was a batterer. I believe that he was too, you know, open with it in front of other people. He didn't care about who was watching. Look at the dynamics of that whole situation. Rather they had an altercation with words, that's one thing. But you got all of these people watching you beat this woman, not just hit her or push her, but hitting her with a closed fist in her head more than one time. You didn't stop to think that somebody was going to call the police, that somebody... There was no no rational thought at all. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So, apparently, this man went went into hyper mode. That's what they call hyper, which is hyper-diligence, where you literally lost your capacity of your being. Mm-hmm. And this is how people get killed. Yeah. This is how people die. Yeah. They either gonna get killed or they're gonna kill someone else. Yeah. You lose all sense of value for life. You lose all sense of self control. You become emotionally numb to whatever you see here. You shut down. He had a shut down moment. Now he was too comfortable beating that woman. He has done that before. Yes. To somebody else. In front of somebody else. Yes. Or alone. Yes. That was obvious. But, you know, sick and tired, got sick and tired of him. And I, and I mean, I respect the dead. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, he was definitely, definitely not thinking. Not thinking. But the young man, the 14-year-old, his life is going to change forever. Right. That because is, when you take someone else's life, that's a traumatizing life, moment. That's traumatizing. Now, I mean, I don't know what the mother's going to do, but I will move. Well, that's one of the things that I will uh, move. I will take her out the city because you don't know who's going to be seek to retaliate. Right. Yeah. Well, I there's a, there's another thing also. Uh, 
she had a press conference in which uh, her and her lawyers announced that she is filing a, a $4 million lawsuit against the city for the trauma that she went through for being arrested after that incident and jailed for six days. So there's a $4 million lawsuit, and they, they, they noted, uh, the, the, you know, the charges against the city uh, for charging her <laughs> and the trauma that that caused. And then you look at the consequences of that. Well, if she wins a $4 million lawsuit, where does that money come from? It comes from the taxpayers. So we are all literally going to pay for someone not being able to control their anger. And exactly. that's, that's the root of the whole thing. So this uh, this lets us know we are all responsible for ourselves. And the things that we do, they have so many repercussions. And like you say, here's a woman who really is not safe in her own home because her address was, was put out in the public, um, her son, you know, he could be targeted by people who want to retaliate from the man who was killed. And you just have all of these things that are consequences of someone not being able to let go of anger. And and, and the lawsuit brings out he had, had multiple uh, incidents of domestic violence, uh, yep. convicted felon, uh, you know, all kinds of, of previous behaviors showing that this was someone that needed help. And and this is this is something that we've talked about a lot, the fact that if we have people with emotional issues from whatever happened in their childhood and they do something and ends up in prison, our prisons really need to be healing centers because people go in because they're broken. And if they come out even more broken, that's not helpful. It just causes them to create more trauma. So we're not serving ourselves for allowing that, that prison system to just be a money-making tool and people getting thrown in and just spending time there and then getting abused by guards who are taught that they have to be harsh and abusive to these people in order to keep control. And they go home damaged every day, taking that same behavior home to their families. So it becomes a disease that spreads, this anger when really, if we can heal the hurt, if we want to send people away, send them away to be healed so they can come out able to manage anger, able to get to that point of contentment so they can be peaceful where they go instead of resurfacing with more of that anger and more violence and then creating another problem. So this, this is what well, I see. That's too much like right, my dear. I wish <laughs> We got to create them. We got to create them because they're not in place. No, they're not in there. Right. They're not in there. And it's it's so sad that, again, I didn't even know the young man, but I knew he was too comfortable with hitting. Yeah. This was something he was. Automatic response. And and they caused him, you know, that was, you know, some people, oh, that's karma coming back at him. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't hurt too many people. Yeah. You don't hurt too many people. So hurt people, hurt people. But then, like you say, we would love to reform him. We would love for him to, to see his wrong. But this secondary, it's a good chance that we went all the way back in his his uh, narrative, his personal narrative. We probably saw either his mother or his father was beating this 
you know, someone was beating somebody in front of him, yep. or he was the one who was getting beat. Yep. So, you know, it, it's there. It's there. Again, we all repeat the same cycles over and over again. Right. Right. That's what we do. And this secondary suffering is real. That's, that's a pure example of secondary suffering. Yeah. You do not have any awareness, no awareness, because you're so comfortable doing it. You're so comfortable. You're so comfortable violating because you you don't have no emotional ability for yourself. And they, hey, I'm doing something wrong to cause pain. I am doing something. So you don't even feel your own pain. Right. You just give pain. So now you've given pain, and, and, and you will no longer give any more pain because that pain that 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 time has come to an end. Yes. That time has come to an end. Now. You see what I'm saying? So the question is, because now I know you live in Chicago, so I wanted to know, uh, it said that after he got shot in the back, because his back was turned, mm-hmm. he was so busy hitting his mother, the young man shot him in the back, right? Right. And right. it said he ran. Did he run? Did he jump up and ran? I didn't see video of what happened after that. Uh, I'm sure, you know, if you realize you've been shot, you're going to try to get away (laughs) because you realize you're being forcibly stopped from your actions in a way that could be fatal. Uh, But he was shot again, and, of course, that is what stopped him from being able to exit. so right. I'm I'm not sure yeah, I mean, at what point the he... young man could have probably shot him in the leg, but I guess at that point he 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 just picked up the gun and fired. He didn't think about which I guess is by instinct because you're it's mom, instinct. You're you know even That's it. even in gun ranges, even if you took lessons, you know they teach you to aim for the body because that's that's the part that is more expansive space where you could probably hit and not miss. You know, a leg is something that moves and you could miss it and hit something else. So unless you're a marksman, which most people are not, even the ones who buy the guns, they're not marksmen, they're not trained in the military to hit a target at 100 feet. No, they don't have those skills. So you aim for that space that is, big and wide enough for you to not miss, which tends to be the body, and that's where all the organs are, which is why that tends to end in a death. Yes, that's exactly what happened. And again, all the individuals that were standing around him did nothing. That's the saddest part about it all. They just watched. Right. And then there was a person in the background, a, a woman, he told you to shut up. Yeah. She should have shut up. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you can tell that she was definitely abused before. Right, right. So, you know, instead of her saying words that could have de-escalated the situation, she poured gasoline on the fire. (laughs) It's unfortunate, but this is how this is society, this is how we, this is what goes on around us every single day. Right. And it's not something we're proud of, but it is something that is, is happening. When we come back from break, I want to uh, talk about how we can deal with some of this emotion called anger, because anger can make a person suffer really bad, but it also can cause a lot of uh, medical uh, and physical impairments. Uh, 
as well. So when we come back from break, I want to examine that and talk about that a little more. All right. And if you're on our switchboard now, got a question or comment, press 1. And if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1 if you have something to say. And if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green, write in your comments. We'll pull them up on screen and share them with our listening and viewing audience. And we'll be right back. So stay with us. Oh, man. God sent the monthly sun bill today. This sunlight is really expensive, especially during this season. I'll probably have to work overtime to pay it. Well, you better pay it on time. We don't want the sun to go out and we're sitting up here all day in the dark. Wouldn't it be terrible if God charged us for sunlight? Well, thank God, the light and heat from the sun is free. So why are we paying such high bills for the energy we use in our homes? Because we don't know how to use solar energy, the free energy from the sun. You can convert your regular home to a solar energy home and save tremendously on your electric bill. Take a look at your electric bill. Wouldn't you like to reduce or possibly even eliminate that cost altogether? Let one of our solar consultants show you how. Call today, 312-849-3456, and schedule a free consultation. That's 312-849-3456. I'm Viata, your Holistic Life Coach. These days, it's more important than ever to work on your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Are you consciously breathing deeply in stressful moments? Do you have a plan or daily routine to maintain balance in your awesome body? Are you struggling to be disciplined in your eating habits? When you partner with me, I'll help you develop a personalized health plan that works for your particular lifestyle. You can find out more about me at yourholisticlifecoach.com where you can also review my three-step protocol to guide you to abundant health. That's yourholisticlifecoach.com and I'm Viato.
My name is Dr. Debbie Green with my wonderful co-host. That's Naima Latifah, executive producer of The Female Solution. Mm. And if you're just joining us, we're talking about the suffering process, mind, body, and spirit, and that can deal with any emotions. So we're going to really examine this emotion called anger. Oh, my goodness. Mm. And we associate that definitely with the incident that happened there in Chicago, which will probably never be the same. I said, uh, wherever they were going at to get that food, that's now a murder site. Oh right. It, it, it's not too far from where I live, and I've, I'll never go there. Really? I'll never go oh. there. Uh, you know, and it's unfortunate, but <laughs> you're right. I mean, everything has changed. Everybody who was present, their lives have changed. It was traumatic watching it. It was traumatic watching her getting beat. It's traumatic watching the man who beat her get shot. The whole thing was emotional trauma for everybody involved. And I think I'll be, I'll be uh, putting out a, a commentary about that on our news channel. Uh, so you can go to onaireverywhere.com and see that this morning. Uh, and one of the things I'll, I'll be addressing is the, what, what you've said about the whole issue of being able to reset yourself to contentment so that you're not carrying anger. Because look at what that escalates to. we got we got a call on the line if you'd like to, to take Yes, I call. sure. Okay. Area code 336-350. Your mic is open. Please introduce yourself to our listening and viewing audience and give us your thoughts. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am, we can. Sounds like Mama AZ from Arizona. It, it is, Dr. Latif. I, uh, greetings, family. Greetings to Debbie. I'm so grateful for this. And I partially heard you yesterday. And uh, there are some creatures who have blog talks in Chicago who seem to think that, and I'm not naming any names. i got a lot going on, family, because these creatures over here at Fort Huachuca, Sierra Vista, Miracle Valley, um, Cochise County, gave me an eviction notice yesterday. No. My Earth Day is coming up. I'm serious. I'm serious, family. This is happening to a lot of elders, especially if you're if you come in a copper color package. Okay, I won't get into that right now. I'm not really tripping because I may end up having to call the goddamn newspaper or whatever. But let me get back to the point. You got creatures over there in Chicago who seem to think, meaning men who seem to think that that woman should be locked up and and the key, her and her son. I heard this on their show, and I give thanks to the Most High that I tuned in because I will not be tuning in to those Chicago uh, creatures who are males who think that that woman should be slammed under the bus. Okay, let me calm down. Now, one of the, the the information that I got, that little brother was a honor student. Yeah. Dr. Latif, really dig into this, please, because this has a connection with Miracle Valley, Arizona, where they had a shootout many years ago. And Jesse Jackson came to investigate. I've been I've been watching all of this, and 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 uh, uh, what also family comes to mind. Uh, sleeper cells 
have been implanted. And for those who do not know what sleeper cells are, look it up. Go on the contraption and investigate the term sleeper cells. Because on that video, that that uh, entity, meaning the guy who was punching that sister, if you look at the address and and you look at the surroundings, it is it's a portal there, people. I am not kidding you. And the look on that little bitty video that they they put on TikTok or whatever. Uh, the one that came through my phone, I could see an aura around that brother when he kept punching her. And for that brother in Chicago, I hope you listening. I won't even think about tuning in to your show because you are ridiculous and you know who I'm talking about, okay? So I hope you listening because no man, I don't, ooh, no one. A man with power fist has the authority. It ch- it's going to change that little brother's life. And yeah. Dr. Dr. Latif, was he using, he was 14, right? 14, yeah. That's a five, family. That uh, Brother Harris, the numbers man, fives are very, very potent. Dr. Latif, I'm going to be quiet. But I'm going to tell you, sister, it, you got some major, major portals opening in Chicago. And when that little brother defended his mom, that was another portal that was opened up. I, I'm not kidding you. So research it. Don't take my word for it. Research it. There's a reason. The time, the people. The numbers, numbers, family, mean everything. Reach out to Brother Harris. He He's in Chicago, too, but he's still on my friend list. But that other creature, <laughs> I'll never respect you in this lifetime for saying what you did on your show the other night. Thank mm. us. Thank, Thank us, us, Dr. Latif. Thank us, Dr. Debbie. Thank I'm Universal <laughs> spirit, thank us. Well, you know, Mama AZ is expressing emotions that many women felt when they saw the video of the beast. Oh, that was horrible. So you, you have emotions that are generated from seeing an act of violence, and that then creates a biochemical response in your body, seeing someone being violated. And then hearing that she was arrested and given a $3 million bond, which means, you know, you're not going to get out because, you, you, you know, even if you have only have to raise 10% of that, 300000 you're not going to get out. You know, so that created such rage. And, and the outrage of that, community organizers got together on the, on the energy of that anger and we're threatening threatening to shut down a major sports event that's just come to Chicago, expecting to generate a lot of revenue. The NASCAR races and everything, they've rearranged the streets and major expressways for this big racing event, and protesters were threatening to shut it down unless they let that woman go. So this is the the energy of anger. 
And that, of course, would have affected the entire business community, all of the businesses that were expecting to gain from the inflow of people coming into this. And the tickets for this event is like $1,000 a piece, you know, $300 a piece. So, I mean, so many lives <laughs> would be affected by one man's anger, one man unable to control his anger. And and just look at what one thing will do, and all of the lives affected, all of the industries affected, incomes affected by one person not being able to control his anger. And like you were saying, if the seed of that anger was planted somewhere, probably a mother or father beating him as a child, and and so. What became his personality is someone full of rage and all the people that he hurt that led to all of his convictions and I think he had an outstanding um, charge for unlawful use of a weapon as a felon, which means he he had probably had a weapon somewhere. Who knows if he was going to go get his gun and shoot the woman. I mean, it's all kinds of things that could have happened. And and, and this this kind of uh, brings us back to what is our what is our responsibility what kind of vibrations can we add to our environment, add to our situation to create peace and bring a person back to calm, bring them back to contentment when they have lost control? And that's a skill, and that's one of the things we got to look at. Do we need to empower, do we need to teach and train more people with those skills of de-escalation? And bringing a situation back to peace as opposed to egging on a fight so you can get some entertainment. Well, how entertaining How entertaining was it to see somebody get killed? <laughs> I don't think so. It was traumatizing. So this is, this is something that, again, is a teaching opportunity for us to look at our society, look at our behavior, look at our interaction, and then look at ourselves. Where do we need to heal so that we are not expressing unhealed emotions of anger that cause pain. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what has happened. Now, again, we're dealing, uh, that family is dealing with secondary suffering yeah. from the incident. That's a pure example. The primary is the incident, and the secondary suffering is, is what's going to happen after that. And it's not acute, which means it's not short-term. Right. This is long term. Long this term. is long term. They're going to need therapy, and I hope they get it. Hopefully so. You know what I'm saying? I hope they get it. I mean, because the thing about this is everything is not going to be same no more. It's nothing the same anymore. Right. When they got when they went to jail, they sat there in the jail, and they're like, oh, my God, I don't believe this is happening. Right. A trauma. You see what I'm saying? Right. That was a trauma. The young man, don't believe that he took somebody's life. You know, I'm sure it was not his intention to kill him. He just wanted him you know, to stop doing stop what he was hitting doing. his mother. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, that alone, when they were back together again, you know what I'm saying? So now, you know, they're looking like, mm-hmm. okay, what's next? You know, yes, we're going to sue the city or whoever, but at the same token, your life is not, not going to be the same. Right. Where one of the things that she said at the press conference, and, and Mama D, our fourth Saturday host, she attended that press conference where her attorney announced the lawsuit, and she said, and she said at the press conference, everything in her life will, will 
has been destroyed. You know, because, you know, when when first, when the first when the issue first came to light, she was portrayed as some raghead wearing woman with his thug son, and so you have all of these these images and portrayals of you destroying your reputation as a as a person, as a mother, and your son being typecast, and all of that is projected globally. You know, because all the people who heard about this responded to that initial story about her and her child without hearing all the details that precipitated that. And then all the anger, like Mama AZ is talking about, someone attacking her and her character, the anger that that creates, the, the, the portrayal of her that was created in the minds of other people, feeling like she was at fault. And now, now that the other side of the story comes out, then you've got even more anger and anger at the way she was treated after it happened and all of that. But it's yeah. so much emotions generated from one incident that stems from one person being so damaged that they could not manage their anger, could not reset their brain, couldn't calm themselves down, and just tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy. And and if nothing else, this can be a pivotal moment. And I think each each tragedy that happens that becomes public, these are things that are helping us to awaken to the necessity of changing the way we behave. But before we can change the behavior, we have to change the internal emotions that create the behavior, which means examining what created the emotions. And generally, like you said, it comes from the childhood what are we doing to our children? What are we planting inside of them? How are we talking to them? How are we nurturing them? How are we making them feel loved and safe so that they can grow into emotionally healthy adults? Apparently we are not giving them what they need to be nourished so that they can be emotionally healthy. So we got to start at that root. we got to fix what we're putting in the roots so that they can grow into a healthy, blossoming plant. We've got to change what we're doing to our children in childhood. Yes, that's extremely important. Um, there's no if and about, about that. Uh, again, just going to pick up food should not cause your whole life to change. Yes. That is just, a, yeah. I think so I'll um, it home from now on. <laughs> I mean, this is the society that we are exposed to. I'm we not have created. Saying, yeah, it's been created. It's been created, but there's so much pain out there, you yes. know. Yes. There's so much pain. There's so much pain in different areas, and you just don't know who's the walking, breathing time bomb. Mm. Now, I was asking uh, a couple of our callers yesterday, you know, the men, how they would have responded if they had been in the restaurant and saw that altercation. Uh, because the, the ability to bring someone back to calmness, that's a skill that really you, you have to have learned that skill. And some of them said they would have said nothing, you know, just stay out of it. Some said, you know, well, I would have said, oh, brother, you should not hit this woman. That's not right. Um some people said they would have dialed 911 and called the police who, you know, would have took their time coming, <laughs> probably. 
you know, you, and, and, I, and I must say, we ask our police to address people after they have lost control of themselves and not in their and not in their right minds. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've given police the de-escalation skills that they would need to stop things from becoming violent. I think they're they're trained to. Um, control someone and and bring them into a forcible state of control using firearms and clubs, which isn't the same as helping someone restore themselves to calmness. So, you know, and asking different callers, you know, what would what would you have done? What would you have done if you were that 14-year-old boy and someone was assaulting your mother? You know, because all the fear and anger and hurt that that brings, you 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 can't let someone hurt your loved one. But it was interesting listening even to the ways that people respond to other people's anger because first thought is fear. You don't know if an angry person is going to become violent. You don't know if they're going to include you in the violence. You know, who's going to pull out a weapon first and, and are you going to be hurt as a result? So we are, we, are, we are always affected by other people's emotions because we're all connected energetically. So a question I have, Dr. Debbie, is is – the ability to consciously help someone to calm down, something that is trainable, uh, maybe in, in a few lessons, you know, and I don't know, maybe this might be something that you do with the program that you're launching, but, mm-hmm. you know, helping people to know how to energetically affect the environment that they're in so that if there is a high level of anger and stress, you can, with your mere presence and maybe tone of voice and knowing the right words to say, be able to bring a person back down to a state of calmness. Is that a teachable skill? It is, yes, it is. It's a very teachable skill because anger is the, the most powerful emotion in our being. It is one of those emotions that can cause the, the, the highest intensity of problems or even death because, I mean, you know, guilt and shame, you know, they don't often result into death or homicidal ideation, you know, more so than anger do. Um, and, again, anger is just a cover-up for pain. That's all it is. Mm. It's like, you know, someone's, uh, it's like, it's on the top. If you can think of an iceberg, the iceberg on the top, all you see is pain up. You see anger. But underneath the iceberg, you know, you have mm. all of these other emotions. You know, you have low self-esteem. You have uh, things like, uh, you know, feeling guilty, ashamed, or, or uh, feeling betrayed, or not good enough, or all those things are underneath it for whatever reasons thereof or situations. So the first thing is when I am having a teachable moment with a client or patient, I often ask them, what are your levels of anger? You know, say, do you know what your levels are, one being the least and ten being the most? Like when you are upset, what levels do you shoot to? Do you do you automatically go from zero to a hundred? Or do you kind of gradually build up? You see what I'm saying? So if we can take the situation we saw with the the man, right? Mm -hmm. If you notice, his level 
known for anger started with words. Yeah. And then, if you notice, he started moving his hands afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. He started doing like this, right? Mm-hmm. I trust him. You don't be quiet. I'm going to. He was telling her the whole time that he was about to attack her because she didn't see it because she didn't notice it. But most of all, she had no awareness of it. Right. She, you know, she had no awareness that this person really was a batterer. One thing about a batterer, they always put hands to fist. They always swing their hands when they talk like Mm. this. It's almost like practicing. I, I promise you, if you if you if you if you keep talking, you know what I'm saying, you'll often see them do like this. Mm. If you keep talking, because then that's their sign. So whoever's listening, if you have somebody or you know somebody, you just walk up on somebody arguing and they start doing like this, that mm. person's going to hit you. So you might as well walk away, leave them alone. I mm. would I would have when I saw that. Well, see, because I guess I know not to say I've been battered. But I know the signs of when someone is going to use physical violence. This is a teachable moment. Physical violence. When a person uses physical violence, they immediately move their hands in their hands, right? And when that and when that when that starts to come, you know what I'm saying? When that starts to happen at that point, that is when he starts to threaten her verbally. He didn't threaten her verbally until he started doing this, if you know mm-hmm. this. If you go back and watch that video, he'll say he'll start arguing with her. Then he turned around and he said, you need to shut up, which means do what I tell you to do, or I'm going to hurt you. That's what he said. I promise you. Then he said, I promise you. That's another word right there, which means I'm getting ready to do this. Mm. I don't care who watching. I promise you, if you keep talking, I'm gonna hurt you, all mm. right. And right when right when she kept on talking, he just coughed back. He didn't slap her with an open hand. No, he hit her with a fist. Mm. When a man hits a woman with a fist, he is impacting the highest degree of harm to this right. human being, whether it's a woman or a man. He meant to impact pain upon her. A yeah. closed fist. Means you want to come with all your power. Yeah. Open hand. Oh, I just want to stop you from just want to shut you up. No, I'm 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 trying to hurt you. I'm trying and to he didn't hit her just one time. He right. continued to hit her. Yeah. So he lost all sense of control, right? Yes. So I just want you to keep that in mind. So the beginning of the stages, he went from zero to a thousand. Yeah. He had no emotional control. No. He had no self-awareness. He had no rational, no logical thought. Because he was too much into that anger zone. Anger has a zone. It's a zone. We go to that point where we either can shut down and block out all, everything around us, because that's exactly what he did. He blocked out everything around him. You see what I'm saying? Completely. Yeah. And yeah. so then he went into the zone, not realizing, no awareness that somebody could have hurt him, somebody was going to stop him. He didn't care about anything because, again, he went into a zone. 
I guarantee you, if nobody didn't do anything and the police came and he got arrested, he would have told if he was still living, man, I just lost it. I, bet, yeah. I, I will bet any word, any money that that would, would be good. They asked him, why you that woman? Man, I just lost it. Yeah, she said so and so and I just lost it. Yeah. Yeah, that means you you literally blink out. This is how people kill other people because rage blinds you. Yes. It doesn't, you don't have any self-awareness. You don't have no self-control. The control, you go into auto mode. Auto mode from, again, from your subconscious mind, how you've been reacting to rage, how you've been reacting to anger, rather from childhood, young adult, whatever. This is the same way you're going to act when you are angry. This is how he's been doing. That's why he had those uh, priors. That's why he, right. you know, had all of these, these uh, gun violence because he is a violent person. Mm, yes, that's what that is. Well, we got to take our last break. And if you're on our switchboard now, got a comment, press 1. If you're listening online and want to join this conversation, Give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1. And if you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube, Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green, make sure you like and share and like and subscribe on YouTube so you can get automatic notices every time Dr. Debbie Green goes live. We'll be right back after this quick break, so stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be right back after this quick break, so stay with us. Hey, it's time to take charge of your health. I'm Viata, your holistic life coach, and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, I'm here on The Female Solution to empower you to make choices that will assist your evolution to abundant health. I'm also blogging every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at Soul Purpose Healing where I bring you a spiritual chiropractic adjustment to bring you back into alignment with our Creator's love, compassion, and wisdom. Join me every Friday morning at 8 a.m. and Sunday evening at 8 p.m. for a time of unity, enlightenment, and love vibration. Shalom. Is Monday morning a struggle to get out of bed, into the swing of things? Well, don't worry, you are not alone. Join us for thought-provoking, stimulating, and mindful conversations on higher learning with Zelda Speaks for your Monday morning mindfulness sessions on Blog Talk Radio, The Female Solution, Mondays, 7.30 until 9 a.m. Be sure and send your ideas, thoughts, comments, and suggestions. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit zeldaspeaks.com and send us your info. We'd love to have you. Experience mindfulness moments with the mindfulness slash stress relief coach, Zelda Speaks. And thanks for sharing the mindfulness moment tip of the day. Stay on purpose, stay empowered, and stay tuned to your next session of mindfulness on higher learning with Zelda Speaks. Make it a mindful day. And thanks for listening. 
Hi, this is John Alexander. And I'm Naima Latif. Meet people like you who are making a positive difference in the world. Big difference. Watch us every day on The Media Connection at www.youtube.com slash TV. YouTube it. We'll see you soon. There are people who choose to make a positive difference in the world. Our job is to bring you their stories to motivate you to do the same. Join us each week, host John Alexander and Naima Latif, as we bring you the educators, entertainers, elected officials, religious leaders, and community activists whose works are transforming this world. Find out how you can make a difference, too. Be inspired. Watch the Media Connection. Mondays at 5 p.m. and Tuesdays at 12 noon on Cable TV Channel 19 in Chicago. In other cities, check your local cable listings. Gone from one to ten and become violent. 
So I'm right. I'm wondering if there is a way that we can help people when they are angry. Just like, you know, you mentioned the scale. You know, when you go to a doctor and you say, oh, i got a toothache, well, you know, give us a scale of how bad the pain is from 1 to 10, and, you know, 10 is worse, ah, you know, and 1 is like, hmm. You know, so how how bad is your emotion, you know, so that we can help people before the anger becomes violent? We can help them understand where they are in that scale of anger and then perhaps help them understand where the underlying pain is that's creating the anger. And maybe we can do that to children as opposed to punishing them for expressing anger, which is an expression of pain. We can help them understand the levels of anger and then determine what is the pain underneath the anger. And and perhaps, I don't know, you think of it, I believe that's a teachable skill we can have to parents, but I think first we have to undo the incorrect thought that when a child is expressing anger, they should be punished and suppressed for disobedience. I think if we can undo that incorrect thought, then maybe we can help them undo the anger that's being expressed. What are, what are your thoughts on that? And then we got, I guess we can take the call. Yeah, well, uh, again, you have to know, uh, when it comes to a parent or a, a parent influencer, um, you have to be emotionally available to the mm-hmm. child before you understand. See, this this is the biggest issue, Naima. They're not emotionally available. They mm-hmm. always they're just looking at situations, but they're not looking at the causes of the situations on this 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 person, this child. Mm-hmm. So they're only looking at the situation. If they look at the emotions, oh, how did that affect you? Mm-hmm. You know, are you sad? Are you angry? Are you whatever? Let's talk, let's talk about what you feel about the situation, whether you did something incorrect or correct or whatever. Let's let's talk about how you feel about it. Do you know what you feel about it? You know what I'm saying? Can you describe what you feel? Mm-hmm. You know, but again, if a person is not emotionally available for another human being, they don't ask those questions. They only deal with whatever they see and hear because mm-hmm. they're not feeling. So it, it's kind of hard to have a person to say, well, oh, did I cause some pain? You know, did I? Co-? they're not going to think that they're causing pain. Mm-hmm. They're only going to look at the reprimand. You did something wrong. Yeah. You did something wrong. You did something wrong, so let me punish you in some type of way. Now, looking at, well, why did you do it? Right. What caused you to do it? What was you feeling when you did it? Right. You see what I'm saying? Those are the areas of teaching moments that you're talking about. Right. But one can't do that if they're so busy thinking and looking at the wrongness in it. Right. Instead of looking at the causes and the why. Right. Right. Yes. Well, you want to take the caller uh Okay, seven seven three nine seven seven. Your mic is open. Give us your question or comment for Dr. Debbie Green. Well, well, good morning to all. This is Lois in Chicago, and uh, giving God the glory for all of us today, and, and, and knowing that uh, whatever has taken place in life, and whatever's going to happen in the future, God's got it. So as long as we continue to love one another, help one another. Uh, I think that's that's where it counts. Um, it's from the heart, and the heart is connected. That's the only connection we have to God. It's, it's from our heart. 
And so uh, I feel that this situation has been uh, displayed in the wrong court. Uh, I feel that federal civil rights, uh, human rights, and constitutional rights have been violated by uh, uh, the, the uh, police department as well as the um, the owner of the establishment and um, placing this in a state court uh, ignores the fact that there are civil violations that this lady has undergone as well as her son. And if they don't enforce it, this attorney has placed it in a state court that has nothing to do with civil rights violations. Now, that's my opinion. I'd like to hear somebody else's opinion about it. And all of the courts, I feel that, you know, they've all worked into this thing together already. Whatever it is, God is the only one in charge, and he's the only one who knows. I'd like to know how the men on our show, on, on this show, the, the Blog Talk Radio show, the men that we have here, Brother Mark and Juanita, uh, all of those men, I'd like to know how they feel this should have gone down. Mm. And uh, and I'd, I'd like to feel that we have something together with we can get together and say, uh, well, we're an organization. We're not just one, two, three people out here talking and rapping on for years after decades and what have you and doing nothing. So that's my opinion for today. And I, I just love everyone. And thank you so much for this time. And thanks for answering my call. This yeah. is Lois and Chicago. Yes. Yeah, thank well, you so uh, much. I, uh, we, we did have uh, several men that responded yesterday um, I think Andrew called in, Minister Plum called in, uh, um, I think L.A. called in, and uh, someone else also uh, spoke up about it. I mean, it, it's a very emotional, very emotional issue. It touches all of us in one way or another. Uh, because, I, you know, I'd ask them, you know, what would you do if, if it were your mother? You know, of course, Andrew was like, look, you know, I'd take the man out too. And, you know, and, and Minister Plum said he was told of the brother, if he had been watching there in the restaurant, he said he would have, you know, told the man to stop hitting the woman. Uh, L.A. said he would at least call 911. But then you also think if you get involved, you know, with the guy pull a gun on him. So you got to, you know, think of all those things in that moment, and you never really know what you're going to do in that moment. And all, of course, the men said if they had been the son and saw their mother getting attacked, they would have they reacted just like a 14-year-old did. You know, a mother said, hey, go get my gun. Yeah, hey, you know, I'm going to stop this man from, from hurting my mother. So, I mean, that's a, that's a basic instinct. Um, I think this is a, a case that is going to take our society to another level of awareness, and that's why we're having this conversation, because we want to put it in that context of how can we heal the hurt how can we come up, become aware of how we as a collective body created the environment for this to happen? And we create the environment for this to happen by us being insensitive to what's happening to a child when they're expressing pain. That punishment model does not help address the child's pain and what happens when that child becomes an adult and they're affecting more lives. If they were not parented properly, by not just their parents, but the whole society, all the adults. That's why it takes a village to raise a child. But if the adults are not sensitive to the feelings of a child, then that child gets misshapen, and then they give back all the hurt they received to the society. So you uh-huh. reap what you sow. And what was that? whatever was sown into this man that made him so full of rage 
that he was like Dr. Debbie said, you know, batter. He's, you know, showing you this is what I do. When I get mad, I hit. And he's and he's got records of hitting and hitting and hitting. So how do you address that? Well, I think the lawyer wanted to point out, first of all, the city's responsibility to to respond correctly. And if the police that are employed by the city didn't review the surveillance video which the establishment had to see the previous act of violence that precipitated the shooting, they were at fault. So one of the charges in the lawsuit is, is, is I believe, uh, malicious prosecution. In other words, they were malicious to this woman and ignoring the evidence of what happened. So how they chose to presented as a lawsuit is to address the city's responsibility for the people that they hire, the police, mm-hmm. to act not in a way that's mean-spirited and, and punitive to somebody who's been hurt, but to act with compassion. Well, it's the same precedent we need to have with parents. You don't right. give pain to somebody who's reacting to being in pain by punishing them you respond with compassion to heal the hurt. So it's a good thing that they that they targeted the city who's responsible for how they train the people who are addressing conflicts to assess all of the things involved in the con uh, in the conflict before they reach punitive actions. They have to go to heal the hurt, not create more hurt. And so that's why they're being sued. And all of the officers, the five officers that were there, all of them are named in the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is, I think, a good step for us to take this into the larger context of how are we responsible to react to someone mm-hmm. who's in pain? Do we cause more pain or are we responsible for seeing the whole picture and then determining what was the underlying cause of the pain. I believe that's that's what we should learn from this. And, of course, the lawsuit is going to make all of us in this city, because it's our tax dollars that will pay that $4 million, you know, so all of us are going to be yeah. contributing to paying for the mistakes of five officers and all the whole legal system that allowed it to get to that point where she was in jail for five days before the, the community collectively had to rally to her defense and, and force right action by threatening basically the city's finances. Because uh, I think that was, that was one of the big uh, motivators for letting her go. We wish it could have been, you know, more, and, and I would like to think it was more of a change of heart, but really, unfortunately, the cities and governments tend to respond to fear of loss of money more than, compassion toward human beings, and that's something we have to change as well. Our our choosing to respond out of a motivation of love and not of fear of loss of money. Right. I think we have an echo. Oh, oh there it is. Might. Is it? Well, it, it stopped. Okay. Um, I, I totally agree with you. Um, again, uh, because of society right now and the people are so heightened, you know, they're, they're really hyper, uh, hypersensitive to everything because
because all of whatever's laying dormant inside of them, they're walking, breathing time bombs. And it's not everybody, but you'll know who's who. Trust me. You'll know. And you don't know until you ever, you know, you get into a confrontation with them that, you know, like this person here is unhealthy. This person here is, is, is me self more than what, you know, they're getting. But what I found also interesting is that um, I think at some given point that the mother uh, had to have the son feel comfortable with the gun as yeah. well. I'm sure he had okay. some kind of practice so, with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he had to because the thing about this is even a person who's never handled a gun before, you know, saying what would have been hesitant to use the gun, right? But he was not hesitant to use the right. gun. So she knew if there's ever like she probably told him, okay, if something ever happens to us or whatever, I'm gonna send you to the car. And mm-hmm. when I send you to the car, you go, you go and get the gun. Now, I, I guess because she was being hit, he didn't have the opportunity to give it to her. Right. Right. Because he saying, came he well, came back into the place and the guy was still hitting, so he had to stop the the the, the hitting. Because he wasn't hitting him when he walked to the car. I mean, when he walked to the car, before he walked to the car, he wasn't hitting her. It's when he came back, he saw the incident. He was yeah. hitting her when he came back into the restaurant. Yeah, I, I'm not sure when I'm I because I, I'm not sure of the sequence of, like of how it happened. If uh, if she was anticipating he was going to get violent, uh, or if he'd actually become violent, you know, because I haven't really, I've only seen the, the video once. I didn't really study it because I didn't want it to be in, embedded in my brain like that. Because it's tra- for me, it's traumatizing watching people get hit. So I try not to observe that. Now, if I had to serve on a jury, I'd have to, you know, look on, look at it, and see it, and that sort of thing. Which uh, I'm not. I'm not sure what's going to happen when this lawsuit is filed. There's going to be some kind of jury trial or whatever. I'm not sure how that works when people file a, a claim like that. But uh, there definitely was anticipation that there was going to be danger, and that's why the gun, the, the the son was sent to get the gun. And like you say, obviously he'd been conditioned to perhaps have to use it. There've been carjackings, a lot of carjackings here in the city. So I, I assume that's why it was in the car, you know, if, it, if the belief is I might have to stop somebody from trying to take my car or something. So there it was. You know, it wasn't in her purse. You know, it was in the car. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's... Yeah, but when, when, uh, when people have registered guns, they either keep it on their person or in their car. That's yeah. Normal. Yeah. Mm, I guess. When they're registered. Yes, yeah. we've got another caller. And the gun is right where it is. Right. If you don't use that gun, if you carry the gun, it's going to cause you. It will cause way. you to use it. It's going to be used. Yeah, that's it. So uh, we got another caller. Yeah, we just got a couple of minutes. Three one two three six six. Your mic is open. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your comment for Doctor Debbie Green. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning. God bless you. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Good morning. Hi, this is. Uh, this is Sister Darva, also known as Duchess calling Chicago, ladies. How are you today? My sisters, I just wanted to jump in. God bless you. I just want to jump in and say that what the Holy Spirit has put on my mind when I saw the um, 
Um, well, I didn't see it, but when I saw it on the video and the, I, I talked about it on the radio and different things, and I, I just want to say that I, I'm just I'm just believing Dr. Debbie and um, Sister Naima that I, I think this is our wake up call to really get involved with spiritual warfare because we do understand the things that are happening, not just with that, but everything with the with the smoke coming from Canada now it's in Chicago and. And, and, and just and, and like you said, what happened with the three people, we know that's the work of the devil. But see, now, I don't know how to make people understand spiritual warfare other than to teach that to them. And, and we need more pastors and people that are going to talk about the, the really the attack. Because we know that those are not the people that are doing that and all the, the, the demonic things that's going on is really demonic. So I want to I, I ask both of you ladies. Because I, I I just got off a real big uh, type of uh, spiritual warfare, and and I, and I and I thought that to get on this call because I you know, but I want to ask the both of you ladies since you're both in ministry, you know God, you know I I, I think that we need um, a spiritual awakening because see this is not just that's one incident, but if you look at it, look at what, what the enemy is doing. You got a son that uh, would never be the same. A young man would never be the same. He would never be the same, okay? But you got a mother that's that's hurting, and and and, and I know the pain she feels. But you got a, a a young man. Come on, hear what I'm saying. That family is mourning because they felt that this should have not taken place or whatever. I, I just pray for everyone around the world to begin to get into some spiritual warfare, get into some things that we need to do because this ain't this other stuff ain't working. Society is not working. The world stuff, worldly stuff is not working. So I'm asking both of you ladies, can you please give us some answers other than what we're getting from our law enforcement in this country and these laws? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, Sister Darby. We appreciate you. Thank in a minute, you. Uh, we got a couple of minutes left, so. Yeah, she, she she brings up a point that I've heard of a lot of people in the spiritual community communities have said, well, what what do we do on the spiritual levels? Because we know this is a, a – I'll just say briefly because I want to make sure we got time for your last comments. We're all energy. We're all connected. We're all affecting the energy around us. And there's the higher vibration of energy where love, joy, and peace exist. And then there's the lower vibration of energy where anger and violence exist. So you have to, as an energetic being, keep yourself on yes. that higher vibration. But also, you have the power to affect the energy around you by the energy you're carrying within your heart. So if we're going to engage in what she calls spiritual warfare, it really is energetically on a conscious level affecting everywhere you are as a being with your thoughts and words and projections. Carry the energy of love, project it to everyone that is within your realm, and speak it in your tone of voice, your facial expressions, your body language, so that you are energetically affecting everyone in your space, in your surroundings, and you are helping to raise their vibration, and you can, as an energetic being, as a person, as a soul, as a spirit, you can diffuse other people's anger, and you can help bring a spirit of peace in the places where you walk. So that's what each of us who are conscious and understand it 
have the power to do. Absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, one should have self-responsibility. Self-responsibility, it comes with self-love. Yeah. So when you love yourself, then it's easy for you to love some human being. And the thing about it is most people love other people before loving themselves. Yeah. So, you know, try to be and live, you know, being emotionally available. It's like, what, what would I feel if I did this, if I said that, or whatever the case is? And what does somebody else feel as well? As long as you stay emotionally available, what's going to happen is you will put yourself in a position that you will notice when things go wrong. Mm. You will also notice when things are going right. Mm. And then you will be able to make conscious decisions based upon not just the, uh, you know, things that, that may not be feeling good, but you also can make those conscious decisions for things that don't often work out correctly like so again, we have a responsibility to life because life is going to keep on going. People are still going to do this. And, you know, we cannot let the love wax cold inside of us. So keep loving yourselves and love the people around you, no matter what they look like or who they are. First, introduce love. Because I don't know if this would have worked, but if the young lady had said, you know what, sir, I love you and ain't nothing you can do about it. When he dropped his hands, yes. would everything have stopped? Yes. You know what I'm Probably. saying? Or he can also say, I love you, and ain't nothing you can do about it. Because, see, that's something yeah. that stops people in their tracks yes. of pain, and it's it called does. love. It does. Be inspired. Thank you so much for joining us on another uh, wonderful show, Solutions with us. So, Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. Thank you, Naima, as always, for being there. And continue to live your life abundantly and not in fear. God bless. Come to the end of our show today. Tomorrow but you can hear every show www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the dash female dash solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash the female solution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows, listen to our radio shows, order our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, Jungkujung, France, Merci. Spain, gracias, Italy, grazie, Egypt, shukran, Ghana, Medasi, Nigeria, Eshe, 
South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Gareth, Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, Shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakor, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you. And may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessing.